CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now! Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. Uh, as always, I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell. Happy Monday to you, Mike. Happy Playoff Week Monday, Ryan. Absolutely. We're talking about playoffs. But we got to talk about practice first. <laughs> Practice. We to practice before these games actually get going. Absolutely. Well, 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 the CFL regular season has come and gone. 20 full weeks of foot CFL football featuring uh, exciting games, incredible plays, great comebacks, heartbreaks for some teams, glory for others. Uh, a fair share of controversy along its way. It's been a wild CFL season to say the least. And now we're in playoff mode, baby. We're down to six teams left, five games, and one Grey Cup champion at the end of it all. On our playoff preview show this week, we are going to break all of it that is to come in the next month down. Uh, predictions. Uh, who's going to make the Grey Cup? Who's winning the Grey Cup? We may even get a little detailed with the predictions here yet. That's all ahead on today's show. Uh, breaking it all down, like I said, off the top, the CFL season has ended. As a whole, Mike, your thoughts on the CFL regular season of 2017? Ups and downs and ups and downs, like the roller coaster, but you don't know which direction it's going to go in. That's a very fair way to put it. A um, lot of exciting football, especially early in the season. I think we still got some great football down the stretch, too. But I would argue early in the season, that was one of the best starts to a CFL season we've seen in a long time. Yeah, and, and I'm thinking much the same way, too. Uh, you know, early in the season, teams are close. They're trying to figure each other out. Uh, I know in the first, I think it was, kind of, I have to remember, four or five weeks, we had seemingly every second game down to the last possession, down to the last three minutes. Kind of disappeared in the middle stretch, I thought, as teams kind of started to separate themselves. Uh, but then what we saw was the teams that started to separate themselves kind of coming down a little bit uh, and, lo- and allowing everybody else to kind of catch up. So I, th- I made it at the end of the year. Like if I'm looking at this on November the 6th, the playing field amongst the playoff teams is as even as it's been in a long, long, long time. Absolutely. I've said this earlier this week already. This is the first playoffs uh, in, in quite some time I can remember where I truly feel like any of the six teams has a good shot at winning the Grey Cup. Obviously, only one of them will, but I think that just equates to we're going to be in for some exciting football over the next month. I, I hope... Um... Let me just say this. Congratulations to the six teams that made the playoffs. I hope that coaches and general managers don't overreact to losses in the next couple weeks. 
because these are good football teams, but ha- some trigger happy people in the Canadian Football League might be tempted with the loss this weekend to blow things up. I, I hope that's not the case. Because these teams are so evenly matched. I mean, you look at the Bombers and Edmonton, they're both 12 and 6. You know, Calgary wound up having four losses. You know, it, it's so wide open. And I'd hate to see a coach lose its job over a playoff loss or a team, you know, rethink their direction over a playoff loss. I, I would definitely agree with you on there. That's something that I don't think is always thought of really is, uh, you know, the reaction that's going to come to a playoff loss. Obviously, it's talked about, I mean, it's a pretty negative thing when you're kicked out of the playoffs, right? But there's definitely, you have to look into the positives you see from the season as a whole uh, and not take it as just the one loss, you know, in the playoffs. For those that can't read between the lines, I am talking... Uh, about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Now, now, Mike, before we get into uh, breaking everything down here, uh, I, I should mention, you know, playoff time, that's generally when players out on the field, they got to step it up a little bit, uh, put a little more out there, and that's exactly what we are doing here with the podcast as well. Uh, this show with you and I will be uh, will be released on Monday night. Uh, and then later in the week, we'll actually have a bonus show coming out, and uh, that will oh. be a bonus show. That's right. Thursday night, it should be coming out. Uh, I've got uh, several interviews lined up with several guests from uh, different podcasts and uh, different reporters around the CFL will be joining me uh, to break down the uh, the first four uh, the four teams playing in the first two games, first round of the playoffs this weekend. So look forward to that. Look forward to hearing... Uh, from di- both sides of the rivalries uh, in each of these games and uh, as we get you all set up for the CFL playoffs 2017. You know what? It's just, this is a sentimental time of the year for me, to be honest with you. I love playoff football, but on the other side, it means the CFL season is almost done. So I'm kind of on the ledger with both sides that, I'm happy to play out. I'm also sad that, number one, this podcast will come to an end with frequency. Uh, like we won't be doing them every week during the off-season, I don't think. And there's Perhaps. not It's to be talked not, about yet. But there's not... What I'm trying to get at is there's not football every week but like we've been used to for the last 20 weeks. So from that standpoint, it's kind of sentimental. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you on that one. Well, I don't think we should wait any longer, but we should talk about the Bomber game Friday night. Well, I, actually, I don't want to. I kind of want to focus on the uh, the playoffs, you know, from this that uh, point going forward. Because uh, if you look at the games in Week Twenty, let's be honest, a lot of these were lackluster football games across the board. Hamilton, Montreal, complete blowout. BC blown out by the Toronto Argonauts. That Bomber game against Calgary. The complete lack of offense in it. If you're a defensive fan, you loved it. If you're an offensive fan, you probably hated that game. Um, and then the Edmonton-Saskatchewan game, you know, while there was a lot of stakes on the line and that one was a little more interesting, Edmonton ended up coming up with the big win. So 
I, I don't want to spend too much time kind of going through each of these games, but uh, maybe give uh, give some quick thoughts on on the games that took place this week. Uh, I'm going to start with a bobber game, and my one thought is, yes, defense. I understand that Calgary didn't play a lot of their frontline players, including Boley by Mitchell, but this is a game that I wanted to see from the bomber defense. I did not think they had it in them, and I expect that Friday's defensive performance and forcing seven or eight turnovers, I think there was seven, was something that we'll never see in a long, long time again from any team in the CFL, but it was something that I needed to see from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and something that should have been done, and I'm glad they got the job done. Does it give you a little more confidence uh, to see that going into the playoffs, even despite the circumstances of the weather and the uh, and who they were going up against, Andrew Buckley making his first career start? Absolutely, because I needed those front... Let, let's be fair here. I would say Nilton played a half a quarter, maybe, maybe a lot less. Oliver Mitchell didn't play at all, but if you looked at the Bombers... They brought everybody that possibly could have played with the exception of Matt Nichols and a few other guys that have been on the injured list. Their frontline defensive guys were the guys that did the damage, Ryan. And I have been waiting for this front four since Jamal Westerman went down. Hello, Drake Nevis. Yes, I'm talking about you. I've been waiting for you to have a game like what you just had. And it is amazing. Absolutely amazing what happens. When you have a front four that is as ferocious as the Bombers' front four was on Friday. Well, we saw the sign on TV over and over again. The one guy holding the Tristan Ocapoago sign for MVP sign uh, in the stands at Calgary. I don't know what exactly prompted that. And, uh, well, I don't think that I would go that far. Certainly he stepped up big time on that defensive line since Jamal Westerman went down. Especially, too, Ryan, you look at the Toronto game. He nearly ran back the interception 100-plus yards. He, in fact, ran about 90-somewhat yards to the one-yard line. But he's been a different player since Jamal Westerman went down. Absolutely. Uh, moving on, the Hamilton Tiger Cats blow out the Man- Montreal Alouettes 33-0 to, uh, to close out the season for both of those teams. Two teams on very different tra- trajectories heading into the offseason is the one point I'll make there. Hamilton has a lot of highs going into next year. Granted, we did have, you know, have, have the reports come out today that, you know, there's a bit of uh, things are a little heated uh, with Kent Austin and the players there. We're not sure what's going to happen with, you I'll, know, that whole situation. I'll, I'll tell you this. Having been a reader of Drew Edwards' work for many, many years, Having followed Marshall Ferguson for many, many years, these guys know what they're talking about. I would most definitely. I, I, I don't dispute the report in one bit. Contrary to what uh, to what uh, Bob uh, Bobby Bobby, Arnett, Bobby and the fact that Bobby I'm took to Twitter today to attack Drew Edwards, I don't know if you saw those tweets at all. For me, that's an all-time low when an owner gets into a dispute with with a me, with a media member who's just basically trying to do their job. Uh, most definitely, Mike. I would 100% agree with you on that. Um, on the field-wise, though, I think Hamilton's got a lot, of, a lot to look forward to going forward, coming into next year. Uh, I, I hope to see June Jones back. I hope to see Jeremiah Mazzoli back as the starting quarterback and see where this team can pick up from where they left off. 
because uh, I, I think they had a great finish to the year, and they're an exciting team to watch. Montreal, on the other hand, will probably spend some t- a lot of time in the offseason. I have a feeling talking about the Montreal Alouettes more. Um, all I will say is this, is the 33 nothing loss being shut out in the final game of the year was the icing on the cake for what has been a disastrous season for Montreal. And the people in Montreal are probably celebrating right now that this season is finally over. Yeah, but the question becomes, like, what's next? And quite honestly, it's what's next at quarterback for Montreal. Even then, I'm not even sure they know what's next. Moving on to uh, kind of the big game that had an impact in the standings as to who was going to stay out west and face the Bombers and who was going to go out east. Uh, Edmonton beat Saskatchewan 28-13. You saw more of that game than I did there, Mike. What did you see from that one? Yeah, I, you know, I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a interesting scenario where I don't buy the riders. Um, it, it was really hard. It's not, sorry, it's not that I don't buy the riders. It's that this game was a real hard indicator of how much of this was playing because the game was important, how much of this was playing because the guys. You know, you didn't want to get anybody hurt. Um, for for me, it's it's an interesting scenario. I know Saskatchewan, contrary to what you know we've been hearing, didn't want to go, but they were going to treat it like a normal game. Both teams were treated like a normal game, but you looked at the injuries for Saskatchewan, guys that they didn't dress. It's really hard to get an indicator, but Edmonton, Full marks for the win. They they did things better. Um, for me, what was really striking, Ryan, was they were putting a lot of uh, second and two the Eskimo offense, second and two, third and one, that kind of thing. Um, and just their ability to ground and grind and pound away, get first down. Mike Riley being Mike Riley. I was really impressed with the Edmonton Eskimos, and you know their interesting little whirlwind of a season that was for them. It's going to be real interesting because you know you look at this, and I, and I had a little bit of an exchange um, with Rod Peterson uh, today, reading his article on um, out of the tunnel that he does for his blog. Um, he was suggesting that the Riders might be leaving until the Great Cup playoffs are over, basically. What do you and mean not, by that? And not even coming home. Oh, wow. Because they, if they win the Nets game, they would go to Toronto. After Toronto, they'd go to the Great Cup, which is in Ottawa. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So they may or may not be coming home unless they lose, right? Right. Um, moving on to the final game of the CFL regular season, the Toronto Argonauts beat the BC Lions 40-13. to Argos had a destiny in their own hands, and they took it by the horns. 
uh, clinching first place in the CFL's East Division with a dominating victory here. Uh, from the Argos standpoint, this is the team that, as much as I want to say the Eskimos, the Argos are the team to watch possibly going into the Grey Cup playoffs here, Mike, because this is a team that played really well down the stretch. And the difference maker in that has absolutely been James Wilder Jr. at running back. You know, I looked at the kind of CFL stats leaders this week. He finished 7th in CFL rushing with over 700 yards rushing. Only about 300, 350 yards back of uh, Andrew Harris for the rushing title. You give him maybe three more games the way he's been playing. And very well in half a season, James Wilder Jr. could have won the CFL rushing title. The other side of this, we haven't seen Ottawa play in a long time. So I, I don't know. I, I, I still think that the jury is out on both of those teams, and I still give the advantage to Ottawa. Well, you look at the Argos down the stretch. I believe they went 5-2 and two since Wilder took over the starting job. Those only two losses, the game he uh, got injured in and the uh, game he missed due to injury, both last second losses, as was pointed out on Twitter to me. Uh, I believe earlier today I read that. So uh, I, I think I think the Argos have a great shot coming into the playoffs. Uh, the, the Argos are in a better case than most teams. They only need one win to get to the gray top. For sure. Looking at the other side of this game, complete lack of effort it looked like from the BC Lions, right? Absolutely. It drove me nuts to watch. At the end of this one, Solomon Alamamian breaks his own record for tackles. Um but that was about as far as the effort went from what I saw in the part of this game I watched. I'm really... I I really have to wonder if BC doesn't make a quarterbacking change going into next year. BC is one of those teams that I'm most intrigued about going into the offseason. As much as we all want to know what's going to happen with Montreal, BC has a lot of question marks themselves. The owner situation, which reports coming out today that David Braley is going to stick around and own the team all throughout 2018, which if you talk to a lot of people out in BC, um, they're not happy with that because this team is not getting people into the stands and they feel, you know, you need local ownership in order to do that. And David Braley is just not providing what they need. Um, and question marks, what's going to happen with Wally Buono? Will he be back another year? Will he not? Uh, the quarterback position, like you mentioned, there's a lot of question marks for the BC Lions coming into next year, and I, I'm interested to see what happens in the offseason. I, I think, Ryan, a lot of it is, and I, and I talk to people just as much as you do out in, out in uh, BC, I think there's more support out there right now for the Vancouver Whitecaps soccer team, which plays at a BC place than the actual BC Lions. Oh, for sure. I, for me, I, I talk to people that are out in out in the Vancouver area. Uh, first off, it's an awful disaster to get from their practice facility in Surrey, BC, down to BC Place for the games. The, their, their practice facility is not up to snuff with that of other CFL uh, organizations. Uh, they have a question at, like, I don't want to say that there's another Toronto Brewing, but remember, David Braley also did own the Argos before, before they were bought by Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. And... 
by all accounts, Brayley didn't put much, you know, into the Ardos as well. So I don't know if it's an accident, but we're seeing what's practically happening in Toronto, happening in BC, where quite frankly, the div a crap level for even the diehards of uh, CFL fans in BC are saying, you know what, forget it. And the owner of it doesn't care. Why should we care? Mike, we say goodbye to the Hamilton Tiger Cats, the Montreal Alouettes, and the BC Lions for the 2017 season. And we'll get more into talking about those three teams in our off-season shows. But it's time to look towards the playoffs, which start this week. Uh, Let's start off out east, because I feel like we always start off and uh, go heavy on the west division. So let's give the east division a bit of love uh, to kick off our playoff preview here. Uh, Toronto wins the East Division. They get a bye in the first week. Saskatchewan crossing over to play in Ottawa uh, this Sunday. Uh, starting off with the Riders and the Ottawa Red Blacks, what do you make of these two teams coming in the playoffs? Uh, you know what? The Riders are... You look... If you take the Edmonton Eskimos out of it, the Riders are the hottest team coming in. Again, now the state of the West team going east, which hasn't been successful. There's been two teams in recent memory, to correct me if I'm wrong, that have reached the Eastern Final, that have been not necessarily played well in the Eastern Final. No one's ever made it to the Grey Cup as it's a crossover team. Right. So I don't know how much of it changes. And I, I think, you know, it, this is just me being... The fan that I, the fan that I am, and also the realist that I am, I think Saskatchewan's the only realistic hope of getting to the Grey Cup, and I hope I'm wrong, but I'd love to see a bomber Saskatchewan Grey Cup. It's still possible. I think the writer's realistic chance of getting to the Grey Cup is better off was better off coming through the West. Yeah, I can sense the argument there because, like you because, said. Because, Ryan, they played Calgary so close the last two times they played. Almost beat them the first time, beat them the last time. Both of those games were in Calgary. They have a Winnipeg team with a lot of question marks. Saskatchewan seems to be on that upward swing, whereas Winnipeg and Calgary kind of on that downward, don't know what you're going to get kind of group. Has it, has it almost shifted in the last couple of weeks where perhaps the West like you mentioned, is the preferred route, and now the East is kind of the scary route to go through with the Argos and the Red Blacks? It's interesting. Again, it's it's a well-rested Red Blacks against improved Eastern teams. So what you attribute that and what you equate that to, I'll leave that up to you. But it's playoffs. Nobody once ever said that despite... I know there was talk out there that, you know, the West is better than the East. You know, we heard that spiel over and over again, especially, you know, in the first 10 weeks of the season. At the end of the day, Ryan, fact of the matter is, this is playoffs. Two teams that made the playoffs with below 500 or 500 records in the East. They have just as much right to be in the playoffs, whether they're the, the seeding could be debated, right? right? I think everybody would agree with that. But the fact of the matter is, Ottawa and Toronto are playoff teams and are to be taken just as seriously 
as the Bombers, as the Riders, as Calgary, and as Edmonton. You hit the nail on the head there. I think I, I, it's wide open. Um, talking about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the question has been all season long, and yet it still has never been, well, it's been answered to an extent, but I feel like it was kind of a filler answer, right? The quarterback situation in Saskatchewan, you have Kevin Glenn starting every week, things don't go well, and then Brandon Bridge comes in. I, I, I assume Kevin Glenn's been named the starter for this game? Yeah, but... Mm, I don't know how much thought they put into that. The practice we start Wednesday, so it's really hard to tell. I mean, I, I think I know the answer to this question, but what do you do at the, at the quarterback position if Bridge. you're Saskatchewan? Bridge. That's exactly the answer I was expecting from you. Um, Here's the thing. I, I saw the first quarter of the uh, Edmonton game, Edmonton-Saskatchewan. This is one of those times where I feel Chris Jones got burnt waiting too long to make the switch. Kevin Glenn did not have it going. And by the time they made the switch to Brandon Bridge, Brandon Bridge sure did not have much success. You know, he didn't that Edmonton defense. But I think you have to give him a fair shake. It's, uh, had he started from zero right at the beginning of the game, when that, the problem is Bridge came in and it felt like Edmonton had all this momentum going especially with the way Mike Riley was playing, that basically the musical chair has finally caught up to Chris Jones. See, now I agree with you wholeheartedly on this, right? That uh, we've seen Bridge come in, be effective, and has looked like the better quarterback in the second half of the season. My question to you then is, though, and, and, and we could be discussing this and it doesn't even matter, right? Because... Uh, right. Uh, I mean, I'm 90% sure Kevin Glenn's going to be the starter this week, and it's a non-conversation. Yeah. But, you know, for the sake of, it's an intriguing topic, right? Because we've seen that musical chairs, and it, to an extent it's been effective for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders this season. Hypothetically, if you know, if you're debating to go with Brandon Bridge at quarterback, despite him coming in and playing well in relief, you know, this is a guy that only has one career start under his belt, Mike. And going into the playoffs, do you like what effect is that going to have on him? You ne- you never know, right? Uh, so I think it's an interesting dynamic. I, I honestly in, in, in this in the same sense, Ryan, you start a quarterback, but it's probably not going to be there. Not sure. Well, it's the playoffs. You start uh, whatever it's going to take in order to win the game. But what has Kevin Glenn done in the last five or six weeks that suggests that he's going to win them a football game? That that That's the fair argument, and that's where this is interesting to me, right? It's in the sense that um, d- play-wise right now, performance-wise, i got to give the nod to Brandon Bridge to start this game. But do you look at we're playing in a playoff game, we're going out east for a playoff game, no crossover team has ever made it to the Grey Cup, you have this guy who's, in my opinion, a future Hall of Famer. He's in the record books. Um, and Kevin Glenn, he's been around for a long time. He has that playoff experience. He has that veteran experience. Do you go with that for such a playoff game versus the young guy in Brandon Bridge? I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I, I know what Chris Jones is going to do. No, oh, he's going to go I, with Glenn for sure. But I know what the naysayers... And those armchair coaches are going to say if the Riders lose this game. 
Absolutely. Um, for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders to go on to win the Grey Cup, what is the biggest key for them in the playoffs? Well, the key that they've done this before. They've been on this exact road trip in Fatlitz, uh two, three weeks ago there, whenever they went out east there, maybe a little bit longer. The fact that they've done this before, they'll have to do it again. The thing for me is, and Chris Jones, I don't need to tell Chris Jones this. Chris Jones needs to make this decision to the best in the best interest of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and not the fan base of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Chris Jones has to be comfortable, and I know he is comfortable in his own skin, but he has to confirm that, and he has to stay with his gut, and he's got to stick with it, win or lose. Deron Carter has played offense most of the season, has switched over to be playing cornerback uh, for the last several weeks. Where do you play him in the playoffs? In the spot where he's most comfortable, wide receiver. And, and I, you know, it was pointed out to me earlier today that Deron Carter has really had some great games so far this year against the Ottawa Red Blacks. So look for that in the matchup this week. I, I, I would think you gotta, you gotta put him back to wide receiver. He's such a contributor to, to that offense. As great as he has been, stepping up to fill that defensive role. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him shift back to offense for the playoff game. I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Jones says nothing. What and, we find, and we find out on Sunday afternoon. And he plays both sides of the ball. Because it, it would give the Ottawa Red Bulls something, something to prepare for. Right. Moving on to the Ottawa Red Black side, Mike. Um What's kind of brought them to the playoffs? Talk a little bit about what you saw from them this regular season that got them here. Ottawa, to me, was the most consistent team in the regular season. How so? Even though their record didn't uh, necessarily reflect that. They lost a lot of close games early in the season that they could have won. But as far as results, they were the most consistent team. They had a top quarterback. A good receiving core, a couple of games that didn't really justify their record. Yeah, that that's an interesting take on it. I've, I I would have uh, never expected. Realistically, Ryan, you could look at the Ottawa Red Blots as a twelve and six, eleven and seven, or ten and eight football team. That that's interesting because I don't think we've ever heard of someone go and talk about a team that finished the year, I believe, eight, nine, and one. Um, as the most consistent team in the CFL, a 500 team, that speaks inconsistency kind of in the middle between good and bad to you normally. But you make yeah. an excellent point that this is a team that's played that fine line of close football games all season long. Earlier in the year, they were losing those close games. Now, down the stretch, they've been winning those close ones uh, for the I, most part. So I, I think this is a hot football team coming into the playoffs. I think they have a lot of the pieces they need. They have that extra motivation of the Grey Cup being in Ottawa this year. Um, I, I think they have a goodest chance of, of anyone of uh, going to the Grey Cup. And this is why I like them a little bit more over Toronto. What, what we're just discussing right here. And I think don't underestimate the merit of having to play that extra football game. And I would argue also don't uh, don't underestimate the effect of uh, you know, while Andrew Harris won the CFL rushing title, if yep. you account for the fact 
that William Powell missed a decent number of games earlier this season, he probably would have run away with it over Andrew Harris. William Powell has made an, an outstanding impact with that Ottawa offense. Uh, it was something we saw from him, but, you know, last year even, or the year before, before he had those injuries, that he is a piece of that Ottawa offense that all the talk is always on Trevor Harris and, you know, Greg Ellingson, Brad Sinopoli, and those guys. He is most definitely an integral part of that offense, and I think he could be a big factor for them in the playoffs. Underrated players that Hardy, I forget, I forget his first name. Is it Jake? Jake Hardy. They're also getting Joshua Stangby back from injury, I believe, for this game. So, uh, you know, they, some guys in Ottawa are getting healthy coming into the playoffs, which is the perfect time for that. Uh, defensively, I thought, you know, they've shored it up pretty well. Um, in the second half of the season on defense. You talk about Deontay Spencer, who's one of the most dynamic players, I would say, in the CFL. He yeah. can catch, he can return. They got all the pieces in Ottawa to be successful if they, in, they can put a game together and hold on to a lead or you know make a comeback late, which has been the mainly the one knock I have against them all year. Edmonton, Ottawa, great cup sounds like what we're talking about here, but again, it's so wide open. And we'll get into actual uh, Grey Cup predictions, you know, at the end of the show here. But um, Ottawa taking on Saskatchewan, I guess for the Red Blacks in general in the playoffs, what's the biggest key for you for them to get make it to the Grey Cup and win the Grey Cup? So, them, it starts with this game against Saskatchewan. They need a strong first quarter. They need to come out of the scoreless or very, very close. And then set it up. Yeah, if they can play well in the first quarter and they can set, you know, the momentum for the rest of the game, that, uh, and to me, hold on to that. Because if you remember a couple weeks ago in the first meeting between these two teams this year, 17 nothing lead for the Red Blacks, William Powell running all over Saskatchewan. Uh, and then at some point in the third quarter, Christian Jones returns a punt for a touchdown. Saskatchewan ends up going on to win the game 18-17. So... And then, of course, don't forget, don't forget the game in Saskatchewan a couple weeks ago. Right, where Ottawa comes out on top by one point. So this is going to be a close football team. These two teams split their two games this year, each team winning their game by a single point. So I think this is going to be a very close football game. And to me, that means that, you know, the playoff time is the time to show that you're... If you are going to be a Grey Cup champion... Playoff time is the time to show that the concerns we've all had about you the entire season long were a moot point. And Here's for the what... Ottawa Red Blacks, that means if this is a close game late, you have a lead. This is where you failed earlier in the season and led to that, you know, one in six, one six and one start you had. Hold on to this lead late, give the ball to William Powell, and you're going to be successful. Get the crowd involved, too. Absolutely. And I think they will be involved. I was just reading some uh, interesting stats uh, exactly pertaining to just how close Ottawa has lost games. You remember a couple of those games, they were one big play away from winning. They tied Calgary. I think they tied Calgary... You know, again, but they could have won at a 10-point lead late. Um, 
it's just a real interesting, uh, real interesting dynamic with just how the whole Ottawa franchise has fared of late. Absolutely. Uh, and then you have the Toronto Argonauts out east who won't play this week because they have the bye week. They'll play the winner of this game we just talked about. What has gotten the Argos to where they are in the playoffs this year? It's consistency and the Mark Trestman effect. What do you mean by the Mark Trestman effect? I mean, I think I, I obviously I know what you mean, but if you can uh, elaborate on that a little bit. Um, it's the way he conducts his players to put, sorry, it's the way he instructs his players, the way he coaches them up to be successful. And, and he's, you know, done, he's done a remarkable can, job, really, this season. You can, have, you can have average football players, but if coached and motivated in the right way, can be fantastic football players. Take that to sports in general. Look at the Vegas Golden Knights and their start to the season, right? No offense to the players on that team, but everyone, you know, on paper looked, you know, was saying that this was going to be a bottom feeder team in the NHL and they go out and have the best record through, what, the first eight games or whatever. Um, so yeah. the coaching effect is a major impact. And Mark Tressman has done great things with the Argos. How about the play of Ricky Ray this year? I mean, MOP candidate, give him the East nominee, uh, put him in the running overall in the CFL. Uh, if Ricky Ray, he, he an outstanding year. We weren't sure what we were going to see from him this year. We didn't think he was going to stay on the field all year. I think that's pretty safe yeah. to say, right? He missed one game due to injury. Other than that, uh, an MOP quality season from Ricky Ray has really been the lifeblood of that Argos team. Yeah, and again, it's the Mark Trussman. Right? It's so frustrating to watch as an opposition Mark Trussman's offense, but it is so darn simple. Dishes, like two-yard, four-yard, six-yard dump passes all the time. It's not pretty, but it's sure darn effective. The Argos, to me, are such an interesting team that they're hosting the East Division final, and uh, and, and they might be my favorite to come out of the East Division uh, for the Grey in Cup. What? In front of 13,000 people? No, well, not not talking about that. Just the fact that, go back to our preseason predictions. We all had Toronto last in the CFL coming into the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talked about oh, Ricky Ray's not going to last. Um, and without that, you know, they're going to do nothing. If you remember, was it last year that they let go of all of their receivers? Yeah. Um, that they had just built up a great receiving core for that offense and released them all all of a sudden last year. Uh, there's so many question marks for the Argos coming into this year. Look back at free agency when they didn't even have a general manager coming into free agency this year. And now all of a sudden they bring in Jim Pop, they bring in Mark Tressman. The uh, Jim Pop goes and uh, you know goes on his way out of, or well, I guess he was let go by the Alouettes, but you know goes and takes a quick stop in Montreal, packs S.J. Green into a bag and runs away before they can catch him, and takes him to Toronto, an absolute steal of a trade. 
which yeah. talk about how great well, SJ Green has been this year. I mean, this overall they have exceeded expectations a hundred percent. No matter what happens in the playoffs for the Toronto Argonauts this year. Uh, and I'm interested to see where they go going forward, no matter what happens this year, because they they look like they have a great built football team now. Um, but I'm interested to see what happens with the future, right? Because how long is Ricky Ray going to keep playing at the level he is? I mean, if he plays like he is now, he could keep playing for years the way he's been playing. Uh, but what's the plan going forward after that? So that I'm kind of interested to see. But in terms of the right here, right now, they only have to win one game and to get to get into the Grey Cup this year, and I really like the way they're playing lately, and I like their chances of doing so. Yeah, it's it's such an interesting thing, Ryan. Momentum in sports. It is, and I've long said, and you know, I in my little pre-show intro there, I forgot to the you know the line I wanted to drop, but I forgot to do so was. That it's playoff time. I don't care what your record was in the regular season. Everyone, all six teams across the board are zero 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 in the standings right now coming into the playoffs, right? I hope you I hope you bring that perspective when talking about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And that I will. I'll bring I'll, uh, that's a very clear perspective on this, right? Is that I don't care what your record was the entire CFL season long. To me, it's about what did you did do coming into the playoffs that has me confident that you're going to continue that trend or fix that trend going into the playoffs, yeah. right? And and to me, the Argos, ever since James Wilder Jr. Uh, took over at running back, have had such a more dynamic offense that helps the defense out as well. Uh, special teams, Martise Jackson's had a great year. Liram Haralahu has really had a solid year in the kicking game. Uh, lots of positives for the Argos, and I, I, I like their chances. Yeah, it's... Again, you're talking about a funny thing, right? The momentum of possibly winning the East semifinal to go into the East final or to buy. That's a million-dollar question. Moving out west here, Mike, we talk about uh, Edmonton is going to be in Winnipeg. You and I will be at Investors Group Field on Sunday, freezing ourselves off in the cold. (laughs) Uh, Dress warmly for that one. Um, We'll be there. We'll be cheering on the Bombers uh, as they take on the Edmonton Eskimos. And to me, this is going to be a heck of a football game. By the way, I don't know if you know this. You look at the weather. It's exactly the same weather that we had to endure to a T at the Great Cup two years ago. Oh, gosh. That was a cold one. I'm still cold from that. Oh, Ryan. <laughs> hey, if people can stick it out in Calgary in minus 25 like they did on Friday night in a game that meant nothing to the Calgary Stampeders, I'm sure we can stick it out for a playoff game here in Winnipeg. Yeah, it's, it's, you know what? I shouldn't be complaining, man. First time we do that Bobber game, 2011 in the playoffs. It's only been six years. And uh, first playoff game at Investors Group Field. Uh, let's talk about the visiting team here first. Uh, the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, if you want to talk about, uh, you know, you mentioned before ups and downs and ups and downs, kind of roller coaster of a season. 
for the Edmonton Eskimos, imagine it more of kind of a crawl, uh, one of those roller coasters where you go on that, you know, huge incline and then fall right back down and then right up the incline again. Because that's exactly what happened. Seven straight wins to start the year, six straight losses, and now they've won four, five straight games going into the playoffs. This team got their adversity out of the way with all of the injuries earlier in the season, with that six-game losing streak in the middle. They're hot going into the playoffs. And personally, I think the Edmonton Eskimos are the team to beat. Yeah, but I bring back to something that you said, and that is the playoffs are a whole new game, and anybody can beat anybody. And until the game is played on the football field, I, for one, are going to refrain from making judgment. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I always like to go with the teams that I, I, you know, are hot going into the playoffs because you can really see, you know, some of those teams. You look at Calgary, three straight losses. The Bombers weren't looking great down the stretch for a large part of it. You know, there's questions going into the playoffs. What questions do you have for the Eskimos right now? Pardon me? What what kind of questions do you have? Like, there's questions about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. There's questions about the Calgary Stampeders and what's going to happen in the playoffs, how they're going to perform. You look at the Edmonton Eskimos, what is there to question on them right now? For me, it's the defense a little bit. I mean, if the Bombers can exploit and use Andrew Harris... As a receiver, it just, just gives them that much more uh, to think about. You know, there's not many loopholes in an Edmonton, uh, in an Edmonton team. Uh, the Bombers are going to win this game. I'll tell you right now, they need to force some turnovers. Matt Harris, I mean, Andrew, sorry, Matt Nichols. There you go. That's the right name. Matt Nichols needs to be in the lineup. And the Bombers need to dominate the time of possession and turn field goals into touchdowns. For the Edmonton Eskimos, what is the key for them to go on to win the Grey Cup this year? They, they have to take the crowd out of the games because they'll be playing uh, two games on the road. They don't have to impress anybody. They can just kind of go about it, you know, go into each game. They have a lot of that core that won the Great Cup two years ago. A coach that, you know, has been in Great Cup games before. Won Great Cups, I believe, as a player. They just have to stay healthy, and they have to go to the mindset that and the belief system that they get when or that they got when they're on their current. Uh, two win streets, and they cannot let the doubt creep in of what occurred when they went on that long losing streak. For me, it's very clearly discipline is the big key for the Edmonton Eskimos because major factor in that six-game losing streak, the lack of discipline. There were a lot of stupid penalties taken that impacted games for them. Uh, they got away from themselves a little bit. I think tighten up, uh, make sure that tight defense is going to be key. That was really the big, you know, issue for them during that losing streak. Andrew Harris has a history of running all over the Edmonton Eskimos. They're going to need to stop him and stop him early and take him out of the game. 
um, in order to get past the Bombers and discipline all around. You know, this is an Edmonton team. Like you said, they're playing on the road. Uh, Winnipeg and Calgary are starting to prove, well, Calgary's always been a place that's tough to go into play. Uh, Winnipeg is starting to become that place. The only team in the CFL the Edmonton Eskimos have not beaten this year, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So that that's an interesting dynamic coming into this game. Yeah, it's I'm expecting a very close, solid football game. I you know, and this argument was was made to me this week that I I've clearly, if you've listened to me or read our Twitter account, which I run uh, over the last several weeks, it's been very clear who I favor in this matchup, it, which is the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, as much as I do cheer for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, it was pointed out to me that, well, you know, the Bombers beat Edmonton twice this year, and yet you predict it being an Edmonton, you know, easy Edmonton win. To that extent, I will point the argument out that the uh, this is an entirely different Edmonton team than the Bombers have really faced because they've, they've gotten a lot of guys back from injury. They've brought in some major pieces since they last played the Bombers, that defense has tightened up. They've got C.J. Gable, which opens up the offense so much more um, that everyone really on their offense is starting to get on a roll. Mike Riley plays a heck of a football in November. This is a good Edmonton football team, Mike, and I think it's going to be a tough battle for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. It's also hard to beat the same team three times. That too, that too. For me, it's going to be an interesting game, and it's a hard one because I can see the arguments from both sides. Um, I will say this, if Matt Nichols doesn't play for the Bombers, which I, I highly doubt would be the case, uh, I don't see any situation in which he doesn't play, um, but if Matt Nichols doesn't get to go out and play this week, I don't give the Bombers much of a chance against Edmonton. With him in the lineup, I think anything could happen. Boy, has there ever been so much anticipation for practice on Wednesday? <laughs> what if the Bombers just close practice all week? Yeah, I know this hasn't been confirmed, but I'm fully expecting the Bombers to close one practice this week. Wouldn't surprise me, and then we'll see the trick plays coming out again. <laughs> as we always do whenever they close practice. Um, what else you got about the Eskimos, uh to tee them up for the playoffs here before we move on. For me, this is um, about the bomber defense's ability to neutralize Mike Riley more than anything. I had a bad dream last night. <laughs> Allow me to elaborate. We were at the, at the game, and I don't know if it's going to be foreshadowing for what's going to happen on Sunday or not. And the Bomber defense could not stop Mike Riley. He was running rampant. Had like 370 yards passing, 190-somewhat yards rushing, and Edmonton won 62-3. to <laughs> And it was typical Mike Riley going, Mike Riley in beast mode like on PS3 in your speed burst button all the way down, right? <laughs> You have some interesting dreams, my friend. So I'm just saying, like, 
We've seen that version of Mike Riley to a smaller extent against the Bombers. I'm just hoping that the Bomber defense, but we see the defense that was closer to last week, that neutralized and gave Calgary all kinds of fits, and then we kind of go from there. Well, and here's the thing too, right? Mike Riley really hasn't had a outstanding game against the Bombers this year, I don't think, in the two games they played. The first one's a little fuzzy on me, but I think the Bombers got to him a little bit in that game. Um, But in the second one, if you remember, he only had about 50 yards passing in the first half in that one. So I'm waiting to see if Mike Riley can come out to this playoff game in Winnipeg and just shred that Bombers defense that has that que- the questions to it. Here's another thing for me that's really, really, really interesting. Somebody was suggesting to me that it might not necessarily be you know, people say that, you know, Bowley by Mitchell didn't play last week against Winnipeg, da, 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 you know, and that kind of thing. Right. Would it have mattered with how good that Bomber defense was? That's a very good question. I, I, I think it's a bit of an unknown, right? How much of that was the ineptitude of the Calgary offense with Andrew Buckley at the helm and how much of it was a stellar performance of the Bombers defense? I think it was a bit of both. Very interested. I've never been more excited for a football game, but I've also never been more nervous. Sum up for me the Bombers' regular season uh, as we get into the playoffs game. What what has this regular season been for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Right according to plan in my books, I think I called 12 and 6. I I thought you were closer to 500 with me. But uh, I I may have said 500 to... I may have said 12 and 6 to somebody outside of this podcast, but one thing we have to remember, uh, one thing we have to remember about the, uh, one thing we have to remember about this, this season, win or lose, Bomber fans, it was a much better season win loss wise by one game. We got our home playoff game. This has already been an improvement for net from, from last season and many seasons in the past. Let's see if the Bombers can win this one game and go from there. That's that's a great way to put it. They exceeded my expectations for the regular season. I thought we saw some great Bombers football for a majority of the season. Obviously, you know, my expectations of them have soured kind of in the last couple of weeks, the way they played down the stretch. Um, but even in those games they lost, you know, they, they weren't as bad as they played. They were still in it to win those football games, weren't they, right? Talking about I that. I mean, they, they had that horrible fake punt in D.C. But I still can't even believe sitting here multiple months later that that happened. They had that missed field goal in Toronto. You know, they win those two games. We're, we're talking about a bye this week. Yep. Yeah, very much so. So I think there's a lot of positives on this year, like you said, no matter what happens. For me, the entire key for the Bombers to go on to win the Grey Cup, their first one in 27 years, it all depends on the defense. Because if Matt Nichols is healthy, we know what that offense is going to do. Um, You know, special teams has been pretty good all season long. We've had some good return games. Our punt coverage has actually been pretty good this year. 
um, led by guys, you know, Mike Miller, Derek Jones, two guys that have had an outstanding impact and don't get enough love on the Bombers special teams. Uh, if Justin Medlock comes to play, you know, you're looking at a huge boost there. It did, all you see his, did you see his field goal Friday night? The one off the post and in? Yeah. Yeah. That sometimes was, it goes your way, sometimes it doesn't, right? And it's kind of funny how that happens. That was a made-up from Toronto, I'll tell you that right now. Obviously, uh, they would have rather made the one in Toronto, but... Yeah, yeah. Um, like I was saying, the defense, though, that's the big question mark to me coming into the playoffs because we've seen some dominant performances. We've seen the turnovers time and time again that they force... But we've also seen yard after yard after yard given up by that Bombers defense. Big plays given up, you know, as much as you talk about your nightmares uh, and dream, bad dreams you had of Mike Riley tearing up that Bombers defense. Um, to the same extent, you know, the big plays, right? All it takes is you can play a great game, but you lapse in coverage and give up a huge play, and that could be it. So, to me... If the Bombers' defense comes to play, then this is a team that can go on to win the Grey Cup. If they don't, then they very well could be done after this Sunday. And then, we hardly recognize this defense next year. How so? I think there's monster changes on defense if the defense implodes Sunday. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised to see it start at the coaching position. On defense. How, how, how doesn't it? I, I'll go out and say this right now on the record. Richie Hall is coaching for his job this Sunday. I would agree with you. It's not what have you done for me all season. It's what can they do in the playoffs and can they shake off last year's devastating playoff loss? Most definitely, Mike. You, you hit the devastating. nail on the head. It was unbelievably devastating, man. They were 10 yards. 10 yards away from winning that football game and going to the West Final last year. Yeah. Perhaps this year we'll make the 61-yard field goal. I hope we don't even have to try it. I hope we can well, actually... I hope, I hope it's never attempted again. I'm just hoping that... Uh... <laughs> anyway, yeah. Yeah, I'm yeah. Ho- I'm, I'm just hoping that, you know, things are... Uh... Things are a lot better than a 62-yard field goal. Absolutely. Um, really, the sorry, key... Sorry, Ryan. The reason I'm laughing is the Jets have essentially scored off the faceoff tonight against Dallas. Good to hear. Good to hear. Um, 26 seconds in. Wow. That was fast. Yeah. Hopefully the Bombers score that quickly to get out to a good start against the Eskimos on Sunday. Yeah, I think we can take that kind of a... Kevin Fodd, tip-off return. Well, and to me, you know, let's, if you want to talk about keys to the game for the Bombers to, I, like you said, you know, you can look at, okay, what's it going to take to win the Grey Cup? you got to start off with what's it going to take to beat the Edmonton Eskimos this week. Defense, like you said, has to force those turnovers. Get Mike Riley off of his game. Um, shut down C.J. Gable is going to be a huge one. Um for me because he's really been that addition to that Edmonton offense that the Bombers haven't seen yet this year. Um, and on offense, looking at the number of field goals Justin Medlock has had to kick a couple times this year, you got to get into the red zone. And when you're in the red zone, 
you got to convert those to touchdowns, which is something the Bombers' offense, as good as it has been, has struggled with at times this season. And early on in this football game, better be seeing touchdowns up on that board instead of Justin Medlock having to go out and kick field goals on every drive. Here's a question for you. I don't think we've addressed this. Uh, the Bombers have had a new diet slot for the last couple weeks, Chris Givens. What have you seen from him? I, I like what I've seen from him so far. I thought he's been a great addition. Interesting to see him uh, returning kicks back there as well. I'm not sure what happened to Ryan Langford returning kicks, if it's performance thing, or maybe I just missed out on something. But I thought Chris Givens has been a great addition for the Bombers so far this year. Uh, him and LaDamian Washington, you know, have filled in for those injuries uh, on offense the last couple of weeks. Obviously, given the quarterback situation the last two weeks, we haven't really seen a high-powered offense from those guys. But I think they give some great targets for Matt Nichols to use. And it's kind of interesting to me, if this gets to a close game late and the Bombers have to rally late in the game, who's going to be the target of those Matt Nichols passes if he's playing? Because... Throwback to a couple of late drive comebacks we've seen the Bombers mount this season. It seems to be the younger guys he goes with because everyone's expecting the ball to go to a Weston Dressler, a Darvin Adams when he's in the lineup, a Clarence Denmark, right? And then you have the guys like Washington, TJ Thorpe when he was with the Bombers earlier in the season, Chris Givens. These are the guys that the other team may not be expecting the ball to go to late in a game, and they deliver. Interesting thing, and I will leave it at this uh, with a closing thought on this Bomber game. Weston Dressler will have an impact on this football game one way or another. For sure. Weston Dressler was signed for football games like this. I'm expecting an 100-yard game for Mr. Dressler. Talking about the Calgary Stampeders, they have a bye this week, Mike, going into the final or th- – Three-game losing streak going into the CFL playoffs. Over 10 years since the last time that... Well, actually, their loss came exactly 10 years after their last three-game losing streak. What do you make of the Calgary Stampeders going in the playoffs? A mess. A mess up? A mess. Three-game losing streak. Uh... Hands up if you saw that coming. I don't think you got my joke there. I'm kind of disappointed. I thought I heard something like that, but <laughs> I yeah. said mess them. <laughs> um, but no, in seriousness, yeah, I, I, I really do believe that Calgary's in some real trouble. Yeah, is this kind of like? This is kind of crazy to me that a team that's 13-4-1 on the season, first place in the CFL, is one of the teams that I'm most concerned about going into the playoffs. Are you more concerned about Calgary than you are Winnipeg? Yes. Why? Just the unknown. Well, all the unknowns are there right now, right? Uh, For both teams. Maybe I'll say this, I'm equally concerned about both of them, especially given that the Edmonton Eskimos are out west and how well they've been playing lately. But for me, the offensive struggles for Calgary are an unknown. We know what Calgary's done in the playoffs over the last several seasons, which is have great regular seasons and can't get it done in the playoffs. So now you have this team that can never get it done in the playoffs and is now struggling going into the playoffs you know, one plus one is two, right? So, 
Yeah, that, I think it's a concern. The logic of what I'm guessing is Hendered in a row if Calgary loses? I don't know. They have never yet, despite shortcomings in the playoffs, so I, I, I don't know if they will happen in Calgary or if we just go, well, we were close again, right? Uh, great season, folks. Uh, we were so close, we'll get them next year. How is that acceptable to ownership, Paul? I don't know. Like, if you were an owner of a team and you've been in first place for however many years in a row, you've been one game away from the Grey Cup, you've lost arguably a Grey Cup that was one of the best for the ages, but I've won a really recent Grey Cup to show up for all your first place performances in all your home playoff games. Isn't that a problem? Well, I'll say this. And and doesn't that speak to a problem with your team about the inability to get it done when it counts? Well, I'll say this, though. How do you go about fixing your team in that standpoint? Because if you tell me, you know, okay, we're not getting it done in the playoffs. We need to go and, you know, change things and make some changes here. The thing is, you're winning football games at a ridiculous rate, the number of games they win each year. Well, yes, I agree with you not getting it done in the playoffs, but what's the formula then for success? Because if you go and make changes, then maybe you start losing more football games. They're clear, very clearly winning a lot of football games. And, and I don't know what the formula for, if they do fail in the playoffs again, I don't know what the formula for remedying that is without you know risking impacting things in a negative way. I don't know. I'm 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 not saying, you know, something gonna change if they lose, but isn't it something you have to consider? Well, and this is interesting because we've like we haven't seen in the past decade a three game losing streak for the Calgary Stampeders, and now they've had their struggles in the regular season. Maybe this is the maybe this is what they need a chance to surprise people in the playoffs. Every year they're considered the favorites, right? Maybe now the pressure is either on, is the pressure on them more now, or is the pressure off them a little more now? I think it's still on them. Yeah, you I know, mean, you finished in first place. You were the best team overall, despite a three-day losing streak. And I don't want to hear the narrative. Ah, we clinched first place weeks ago. No team wants to go into the playoffs having lost three games in a row, right? Right. Uh, defense has been outstanding all year long for Calgary. Offense has had its str- fair share of struggles. Um, and I think, I think it finally caught up to them, Ryan. They, they pulled one out. Let's not forget. They should be on a four-game losing streak right about now. If they hadn't pulled that one out against Hamilton. Right. Very true. Very true. And I think you and I were raising alarm bells way before that even happened. Well, maybe well, even Labor Day or a couple weeks before that. No, I'll, I'll go on the record here and clear that up. I, I, I think you were raising them earlier on, which I, I'm not like slandering you in that. I'm saying well done because they were very clearly there. I was more so in denial, right? I was saying, well, okay, right. yes, the Calgary okay. Stampeders still have their issues. But they're still winning football games at the end of it, right? Uh, and this is a team that, even when it's playing at its worst, is still going to beat you. Now we're not seeing that so much, so it raises a lot of questions. And I think it's very. Um, si- and sorry, go ahead. 
And I think their defense was the reason they won a lot of those games. Absolutely. And now their defense has gone from really good to average. Oh, I wouldn't say average. Well, not as good as they were a couple weeks ago and overcoming the offensive shortfalls. Oh, I, Boy, I, I don't know if I can quite agree with that statement there, Mike. I think the defense how, I think the defense is still playing some stellar football. Uh, just not getting the help they need from the offense. Um, you know, a defense can only carry you so far. How dumb of a circumstance is it that a bully by Mitchell doesn't have it in the last final? We see Andrew Buckley in that quarterback. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Do you Maybe see people... how Buckley played in his first career start this week, Mike? I understand that, but that was what, as a lot of people have been suggesting, it, to me, it comes down to how hurt is Bo Levi Mitchell. And I think he's more injured with his shoulder than we're allowed to believe. The key for the Calgary Stampeders to win the Grey Cup this year is very clearly we can agree on this, right? It's it's get things going on offense. In a hurry. In a hurry. Get it going early. Get things moving. Get Jerome Messam involved in that offense because I, I think over this three-game losing streak, he hasn't really gotten the ball as much as we anticipate usually to see from him. I think that's the key is to get the running game going early. It opens a lot of things up for your offense. Uh, I do want to mention that offensive line needs to step up a little bit for the Stampeders. They're always heralded as one of the best in the CFL. Uh, yeah. The last several weeks, they've looked a little spotty there. Uh, yeah, that. That offensive line did not look good the other day against Winnipeg. And I think Bolivar Mitchell quietly is saying, thank goodness I wasn't in that football game. <laughs> Defensively, I mean, there's not much more they can do than what they've done so far this year. Key for them in that West Final against whoever they're playing in that game is going to be come out and get that early turnover. Uh, because if you can you know, have the defense put the team ahead, that maybe takes a little bit of pressure off the offense. I can tell you the Calgary Stampeders probably want to play Winnipeg. I don't think they want to see Edmonton. Not sweet. I don't think anyone wants to see Edmonton right now. We've gone through and talked about all six of these teams here, Mike. Um, Let's get into the big grand finale of it all. The CFL Mm -hmm. playoff predictions here. Um, so we're going to go through the games here. We're going to go through the entire playoff tree and end up with our Grey Cup predictions. Um, yep. And to add a little bit of fun to this, we're going to go as detailed as we possibly can on our predictions here. Oh, no. So we're going to take a game, and I want to... So, so no fantasy predictions is what you're saying. Right. Real, Real. live, actual predictions. Yep. For each game we talk about, you're going to get two minutes or less to tell me in as much detail as possible what is exactly going to happen in that football <laughs> game. And we are going to listen back to this and score uh, and, and, you know, discuss how close we were on those predictions. Okay. East semifinal. Okay, so East semifinal, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. In Ottawa to face the Ottawa Red Blacks. We have a punt return touchdown from one Mr. Christian Jones of Saskatchewan Rough Riders here. 
Kevin Gwen comes in, struggles. Brandon Bridge comes in, in to start the second half. What Ottawa up by 12 going into halftime. Saskatchewan comes back, takes the lead. Ottawa does what they haven't done, what they failed to do in the first half of the season, Mike. Late drive. Trevor Harris marches the team down the field, finds his man, Greg Ellingson, in the end zone with 25 seconds left on the clock. The Ottawa Red Blacks win this football game 32-29. to Ooh. All right, mine. Saskatchewan comes up sloppy. Brandon Bridge comes in. Saskatchewan goes up. Ottawa comes back. This turns into a shootout. Ottawa is down by three. Or so, with a minute left. Or actually, make it four. Just for the excitement of this exercise. <laughs> and Trevor Harris leads the, leads the Red Blacks, just like he did the last time in Regina, all the way down the field for a game-winning score with two seconds left. Final score, Ottawa 37, Saskatchewan 33. So we both have Ottawa moving on. You have no idea how much I wanted to say Saskatchewan would win on a Duran Carter pick six there. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but I, I do should have a bomber Saskatchewan great top. But, but I do think the Ottawa Red Blacks, with that extra hope of, you know, playing in the Great Cup at home, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the playoff like the crossover team always struggles. Uh in the playoffs, I, I I think it's going to be a close game like we've seen all season long. But I got we both have Ottawa going out on top. Yeah. Moving on, so we'll uh, we'll go we'll continue out east. Then uh, Ottawa Red Blacks, by our predictions, go on to play in Toronto. Uh, starting with you, your prediction for this game. Sorry for who? Ottawa in Toronto for the East. Ottawa title. in Toronto. Uh, the crowd will be about 13,000-plus on a Sunday afternoon at BMO Field in Toronto. The Argos in the Red Blacks exchange touchdowns. The Ottawa defense makes a couple of plays. That's Ricky Ray off his game. Toronto comes back with a big game from James Wilder. At the end of the day, Ricky Ray leads the Argos all the way down the field. Is denied on third down near the goal line, and the Red Blots win a tight one, 27-23. All right. So you have the Red Blacks winning this one? I have the Red Blots winning this one. All right. I am going to start this one off with, I don't know what at what point in the game this one is coming, but Brett Maher, who's been so good for the Ottawa Red Blacks all season long, Misses a field goal late in the game. Martise Jackson takes it out of the end zone, brings it down, brings it all the way into field goal position uh, to give the Argos a key field goal, which they'll need late in this football game. Um, the Argos' James Wilder Jr. has an incredible day yet again, breaks one loose for a long touchdown early in the game, gets things going for Toronto, gets the fans, while not many there, very much into the game. Ricky Ray finds SJ Green late in the game to tie the football game. This one goes to overtime, uh, and the Argos win this one on Aliram Harulahu field goal late in the game, uh, late or in the second round of overtime. 
Final score. 36-33. Toronto wins. In overtime. In overtime. All right. This exercise might be the most pointless thing ever, but, you know, it's all for fun. Agreed. So we get into the West. So East final, you have Toronto. I have... Or no, I have Toronto. You have Ottawa playing in the Grey Cup. Let's go to the West semifinal here. Uh, between the uh, Edmonton Eskimos and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers at Investors Group Field. Yes. Your turn. Oh, boy. So, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> Mike Riley comes out flying in this football game, tears the Bombers to shreds. Mike Riley throws for over 400 yards in this football game. Despite that, he also, the Bombers force a couple key turnovers, take them back for touchdowns. The Bombers offense does just enough, but struggles to convert in the red zone like they have done all season long, especially late in the game. This one ends up being a close one. The Bombers take the lead late in the football game after Matt Nichols marches down the field. They leave a little too much time left on the clock. Mike Riley takes over, goes for a late drive into the end zone with about 36 seconds left on the clock. Eskimos take the lead. Bombers take the ball back, get to center field. Justin Medlock goes to kick a field goal off the upright. Bombers lose 39-37. to <laughs> hey, this is after time. Just hearing that was too much for me. <laughs> but I concur and I agree with somewhat of the sentiments. Mike Riley, solid bomber defense, returns a couple of kits. They did a solid game from special teams, from somebody not named Justin Medlock. They did a couple of solid returns to shorten the field. Bombers win this one a little bit more, less stressful, 31-27. You got the Bombers winning this one? Yes. All right, then getting to the West Final here, I'll let you go first on this one. You have the Bombers in Calgary. Who do you have, and what happens? Bombers play the game of their life in Calgary. Bolivar Mitchell is trying to emulate Matt Nichols' drive for drive. Something big happens. I'm not sure what that something is yet. The Bombers advance to the to the Grey Cup with a 31-28 win in Calgary. The Bombers going to the Grey Cup, eh? Yep. Well... Difference of opinions. I hope you're right. I hope my predictions are all wrong. Edmonton goes into Calgary, a place they've had, they've struggled to win so many times in recent history. But the Edmonton Eskimos are, in my opinion, the best team going into the playoffs. In this game, we have a huge, uh, we have a huge interception by one Mr. Aaron Grimes back in the Edmonton defense in the second half of the year. Picks off Bo Levi Mitchell for the pick six. 
uh, early on in this game, gets Calgary's offense off their game a little bit. They start giving the ball to Jerome Messam. It gets, uh, you know, racking up the yards against that Edmonton defense through the running game, which is what they'll need to do. Makes it a bit more of a close one. Mike Riley does what he does best. Late in the game, third down, Mike Riley takes it into his own hands, runs off the side, into the end zone. Eskimos win this one uh, due to a Mike Riley rushing touchdown. 26-23. All right. And then to end it all off, Mike, we have the Grey Cup. You have the Ottawa Red Blacks and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I have the Edmonton Eskimos and the Toronto Argonauts. Who's winning the Grey Cup and why? Bombers and Ottawa come out, play a great game. The moment gets too big for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Trevor Harris eats the Bomber, de- eats the bomber defense alive with a couple big runs. Offense tries to keep the Bombers in it. At the end of the day, the Bomber defense is too tired. Ottawa wins the great cup on home field to the tune of 31-17 over the Bombers. The Edmonton Eskimos and the Toronto Argonauts in the great cup. A great game by James Wilder Jr. Over 100 yards yet again is not going to be enough for the Toronto Argonauts. We are looking at a monster game by C.J. Gable. Two rushing touchdowns from him. And the winning touchdown pass going from Mike Riley to one Mr. Calvin McCarty to win this football game. I have the Eskimos winning. How Canadian is that? Pardon me? How Canadian is that? I have the Eskimos winning by 12 in this football game. I don't think it will be a one-score game. Uh I think the Eskimos at this point, you know, if they can knock off Winnipeg, they can knock off Calgary. They've got this. They've got all they need in order to win this football game. Huge field goal late in the game, you know, to put them up by two scores by Sean White, who is back uh, for the Eskimos. And Edmonton goes on to win this game. Mike Riley, Grey Cup MOP. uh, And the Eskimos go on to win the Grey Cup. So, based on that, we're saying the winner of this game on Sunday goes to the Great Cup. Absolutely. Without even giving Calgary any consideration. That's truly how I feel right now. Me too. I just wanted to make sure. Yep. So, you've got the Ottawa Red Blacks winning their second straight Great Cup with a win over the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I've got the Edmonton Eskimos beating the Toronto Argonauts. All of these predictions will be wrong by the end of Sunday, most likely. Yep. Well, I guess we picked opposite between the Bombers and the Eskimos. One of us technically has to be, right? (laughs) But all of those crazy predictions we just made over the last 10 or so minutes probably won't come true. We'll probably see something very unpredictable because, as we know, that's how the CFL goes. That is it, Grey Cup preview show. Mike has Ottawa over Winnipeg for the Grey Cup. I have Edmonton over Toronto for the Grey Cup. We're interested to see how it's going to play coming out here. We'll both be at Investors Group Field on Sunday to watch the Bombers take on the Edmonton Eskimos. Mike, you had a point you wanted to make there. Yeah, can I just add something real quick? Sure. It is a pleasure to be in the Grey Cup playoffs, win or lose for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, to be playing... For a prestigious championship such as the Grey Cup, 
hey, at least we're not one of the three teams that isn't even being considered. Absolutely, and the opportunity to see it live in person. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we haven't been to a game yet together this year. No, we have not. Uh, last time, we did we go to one last year together? I think it was the Banjo Bowl last year. Probably. Sounds about right. Um, lots of exciting football over the next month. Lots of exciting football coverage from us as well. As I mentioned, you know, we've gone probably about an hour and a half on the show here already, Mike, as a playoff preview show. There is more content coming later this week, as I mentioned. I've got one interview in the books already. Potentially three more of them coming yet. Uh, a CFL playoff pre round one playoff preview round table interviews with podcasters a reporter from the different teams in the first round of the playoffs coming out this week uh from the canadian football countdown so look forward to that uh, the first interview went great it was a lot of fun i'm looking forward to talking with our other three guests uh so follow us on twitter at cfc on I- mike fm to see all the information on that can I butt in here real quick? Sure. From the CFL, the Eskimos are the first 12-win team to have to play a first-round CFL playoff game on the road. And there's that. What do you make of that? Ah, it's interesting. I think it just goes to show the disparity of the divisions. Absolutely. One, no final, one final note before we close this out. Happy birthday to fellow podcaster Andrew from the Eskimo Empire podcast. His birthday today on Monday. Happy birthday to you, good sir. He is one of the best out there. Uh, Good friends over at the Eskimo Empire podcast. Hope you enjoy your day. And you know what? Even though there are playoff opponents this year, I think there's a mutual respect for each other. Absolutely, absolutely. That will do it, Mike. That is the end of our playoff preview show. As I mentioned, look forward to that other show coming out. Follow us on Twitter for all the information on that to see when it's coming out, most likely Thursday. Any final thought here before we say goodbye? No, I just I can't wait till the great playoffs start, but I'm going to be sad when they end Pro Bombers. That's a great way to sum it up. We'll talk to you again next week. Uh, we'll have two playoff games in the books, three more to go. Uh, and we'll break it all down and uh, make some more wacky predictions, perhaps. That is it yeah. for the Canadian Football Countdown. As always, Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all the support. As always, have yourselves a wonderful day. Enjoy the playoffs. It's going to be fun. And take care. Bye-bye. Bye.